Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. <laughs> yeah, no, Chucky. I was scared of it only because when you're a kid and someone's showing you that and Chucky's not as scary as Freddy Krueger, like visually, but that damn, that damn teddy bear, she really traumatized me with it. And, you know, I don't think I could look at Robert England without even with, I think I would just run the other way because that thing scares me so much. He's not um, a very scary person. I, I imagine he's not, but the, the, that movie. I'm really sorry to disappoint you, but this is not an episode about Chucky. Um, I just got a lot of questions from people asking me why I'm scared of Chucky. Even though I'm pretty sure I covered it in episode one, I, I thought I should recap. This bit doesn't really fit into the interview anywhere at all for, for any reason. It just doesn't work when I when I edited it, when I cut it up. But um, I put it in here so that you guys can um, find out why I'm not scared of Chucky anymore because I'm a grown adult. <laughs> well, sometimes. Um, so yeah. Let me just hit the reset on that. Welcome to episode 29 of This Blonde Can Talk About Anything or episode like eight of This Blonde Can Talk About Anything with anyone. If you're listening to this on the host website, click out and go listen to it on a streaming service itunes spotify soundcloud iHeartRadio. you can get it on all those platforms i'm pretty sure you can subscribe on all of them and you can also leave comments and reviews on itunes and they really help so if that's where you're listening to it uh leave a comment this week's episode is the conclusion to my conversation with Brad Dorif. Um, it was a very long conversation, so there is a lot that didn't that didn't make it to um, your ears, but they did. They didn't. It didn't need to. Um, it, it was deeply personal, and so didn't need to be um, shared. But uh, we are talking about you know film roles that he lost, turned down, um, Marlon Brando movies that he didn't love so much um comics and the education system for some reason <laughs> so i hope you enjoy the um last bit of the brad Dourif trilogy um it was an honor really to talk to someone as brilliant and legendary as him it is by will alone i set my mind in motion it is by the juice of sapu that thoughts acquire speed the lips acquire stains the stains become a warning it is by will alone i set my mind in motion I am actually perhaps maybe lesser lesser than you probably um, devastated that you didn't uh, get cast in Cape Fear. And that's a hard thing for me to say because I really love Bob. I think you oh, could have. I don't think I could have done that performance. You don't think you could have done it? No. Why? No. Because I'm, I don't have that in me. I, Bob does everything. You know, He's sort of weird that, like that. First of all, he was. No you know, pedophilia for Brad. You know, he was um <laughs> Claudia. He was, uh, <laughs> he was uh um you know this indestructible um you know uh person. I mean somebody said reviewed that movie for me and said what I didn't understand is at the end, how come he didn't reach down in his as he was sinking in his 
down in his throat, pull his lungs out and hold them up over his head so he wouldn't drown. You know, I mean, it was ridiculous what the guy could do. You can't you can't go under a car and survive that that will kill you. Um, I mean, you know, it was just so much and people, you know, and you can't get beat up with with metal bars and survive. That just, you know, there's just no way that could, but you kind of got that, um, that De Niro could do that. I mean, there's something about him. He's so dedicated to the, the, the physicality of that in a way I don't think I could ever be. You don't think he could do that? No? I don't think I could have done that. Though. And you also were almost cast in The Deer Hunter, not as the Robert character, but you were considered for that film, right? Or is that- yeah. I, I turned it down. You turned it down? Yeah, biggest mistake of my life, yeah. Well, I doubt it was the biggest mistake of your life. Um, that movie was a the big mistake for me to watch because I, I, I love Robert De Niro. I think that he is um, not maybe not equal to, but close to like a Marlon Brando of more modern people. Because people, yep. a lot of my friends don't know Marlon Brando movies and it makes me so upset. And I started watching all these Robert De Niro movies. And I walked into acting class one day and I was talking like him. <laughs> the teacher said, please, please don't watch anymore. He's starting to talk like him. Stop. And it's not that I was trying to, you know, yeah, I, know. Him or, I just, I think when I watch people, I, I sort of pick up things that, oh, I think that's, that's a little bit like me. And then I just kind of try. And I, I was, I'm, even my mom, sometimes she's like, why are you talking like you're from Boston? Where is this coming from? It's just, I watch movies and, and I, I pick up on things that people do, but you are no less great than De Niro. It's just a different, a different kind of, I guess you've picked different, different styles, but I think you'd be a lot of fun to watch in something like uh, the, that, the war with grandpa. I think that would, you would be so much fun. You'd be hilarious in that. Another thing that I read about you that is so fascinating to me, you were almost in Batman with, with Tim Burton, right? Yeah. Did you turn that down? What? Did you turn that down? No. No, they just changed their minds. Yeah. That's terrible because I think he would have been pretty great. (laughs) I think he, I think he decided I, I think that decision was made for him. They they needed they wanted a, a big star, and I but think that, that Tommy Lee Jones played that character. Correct. Yeah. Is that I can't remember who played Batman in that one. I don't. I don't, remember. I, don't I don't think it was it the George Clooney one because if it is, I was traumatized by that too. My, uh, my uncle took me see it at the drive-in. You don't remember. I don't, are I, you a fan I of what? Are you a fan of comics at all? Um, not really. Um, you know, I, I, I've watched them certainly. Um, I thought um, the height of that was Keith Ledger's performance. Um, I really don't. I don't know why. I just really appreciated Ben Affleck's contribution as Batman. Just probably because. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Weird. I, yeah, but um, I thought that Keith Ledger's was the most, I mean, it, that was just something extraordinary beyond belief so, to me. So what do you make of Joaquin Phoenix? Of England I thought playing I love Joaquin Phoenix, wonderful actor. As the Joker, I meant. 
Wonderful. Um, I thought that was too serious. I, mean, I, I thought he was wonderful in it, but I thought I thought the whole thing was the whole thing was it lost its it lost its comic bookness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually watched it and felt like I was watching a very disturbing remake of uh, the King of Comedy. It was like Rupert Pumpkin with green hair. Joaquin Phoenix does something that um, he can walk someplace where it's very hard to look at him and make it. It's humiliating to watch him where it's something it's, it's on some kind of edge that just makes it makes it very, very hard to to look at and deal with. And I suppose that's that's a pretty extraordinary thing and very brave. Um, you know, and it's something I could never bring myself to do, you know, but I just don't, I don't, I mean, I, you know, it, it's maybe it's just, um, it's not what I expect from a comic. Book. No, I agree with you to, to that extent. When I, when I seen, I really, if I'm honest, I saw it to, for Robert. I thought he would have a, a sort of bigger role in it than he did. And um, as an actor who has seen many, many movies, I probably should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming when he turns and shoots Robert De Niro. And I stood up in the theater and went like that. And my my mom was like, sit down. Like she was so embarrassed, but I didn't see it coming. And I think that's a testament to, to Joaquin. He came here to Toronto for the film festival. He staged a protest at the subway. So nobody was paying attention to the film festival anymore. They were all going to the subway, the subway station, not the restaurant. And to, to try to meet him, which I thought was interesting because he's trying to make a point and you're trying to go there to get his autograph. What, 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 was, what was the point he was trying to make? Pardon me? What was the point he was trying to make? I don't remember. I something. I think it, was, it has something to do with pipelines, and and I don't know why he chose the subway. It was just a, I guess, a good location because it's so central to the the, sub, the particular station that he was at. Is sort of like at the center. I don't know. Have you ever been to the Toronto Film Festival? Uh, yeah. So it's sort of at the center of where all of it happens. So he mm-hmm. could do it without going out of his. Of his way. What did you? I remember come the here for? Toronto Film Festival from the inside, not from the outside. I've worked in Toronto before. You did on what? Um, I I forget the name of it. It was I was doing three films at one time when I did that. Oh my god! Did you like Toronto? I'm sick of it. I'm excited to leave. <laughs> I, you know when you're doing when you're doing a like I said I was doing three movies at the exact same time and. Um, so I was traveling around a bit and, you know, really focusing on the movies, not on Toronto. But, um, yeah, I, the way I remember, it's a pretty city. Um, you know, it, it looked, from, from, from that point of view, it looked new to me. I guess I was around where they just built some stuff. Um, you know. I'm not from Toronto originally. I, you know, I like so. I like uh, Montreal uh, probably a little more. Do you speak um, French? Hmm? Do you speak French? No. Well, then how, do, how the heck did you survive in Montreal? Well, I mean, a lot of people spoke English. Right. And I'm from Ottawa, which is actually just like two hours from Montreal, maybe two, three hours. 
But if you cross over like five minutes, you're, you are in Quebec. So my, um, my grandmother was very French. My grandfather never learned a word. I don't know how they managed to get married, but they did. And so I, I speak both. And um, Montreal, it has more character than here. Now that I've lived here, like Ottawa is, I don't know if you've, you've probably never been there because why would you want to? It's a small town. It's a big, it's a city, but it's a small town mentality where people tell you that what, what, what you can do and what is possible is about this big. That's your scope. If you can see past your nose, like, uh, you know, I had teachers telling me that acting is stupid and I don't think it is stupid because when I'm doing it, I don't feel stupid. I feel like I'm empowered and I feel like maybe I can empower someone else. And I didn't like school. I, I was very good at it, but I didn't like it. And I think to be good at something that you don't like is kind of awful. <laughs> so a lot of these teachers expected me to do something maybe uh, like academically. And I was so rebellious and I just wanted to act up. But the fact remains, every single one of my report cards said that I disrupted every class because I had too many questions. And I was actually once sent to the office because I put up my hand and the teacher was teaching us where we had watched the film, Troy. We were learning about that. And I said, well, is the Trojan horse still there? And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, is it still there? And he said, no, it's not still there. And I said, is there any sort of like physical remnant of it? And he said, no. And I said, how do you know that that it's real. And he said, go to the office right now. And so I went and the principal said, what, why are you here? And I said, because I asked a question. And of course he didn't believe me. And then he called upstairs and found out that I had indeed asked a question and came back and said, go back to class and stop asking questions. And that's when I knew that I, this wasn't for me. And education was forced on me and in, because it's forced on all of us. But it's also, I think it reprograms our brains a little bit to think like other people. And it, as an actor, surely you don't think like most people because you can't, because you have to sort of bend your mind for everything that you do. Look, I think school has its place. I mean, school right. is, I mean, you know, um, you know, I, there's a lot of people, I, I studied Latin for, for several years. I don't think that was a bad thing. I mean, you know, no. certainly you can't use the language, but it's a discipline. And, um, and um, I think, I mean, I wish I, I had a, you know, uh, some kind of a thing for languages. You know, I wish I learned to speak French. Um, but, um, but I, you know, I, I think that was good for me. I think history is, you know, um, is, is good for people and so forth. I don't, I don't, um, you know, but yeah, they do in a class, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, you got to do it their way. Right. You know? And, um, but I don't, you know, I'm not so, I mean, I don't know, you know what, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know why somebody didn't answer that question. I mean, the, the only reason that they know about the Trojan horse is because it's in, it's, you know, it's in the, um, in the, uh, it's in the Iliad. Um, you know, but and, and nobody's, you know, and, and they may have found Troy, but, um, you know, it, it, how well it, you know, it goes with um, the Iliad, uh, you know, is a whole other question. 
So yeah, he should have answered that question. He should have said, we don't know if the, we don't know. We, we, we don't know if it was made up or not, but, um, but uh, you know, so that's the answer to your question is we don't know. But I knew that and I just wanted him to say it. It's just, I also agree with you that history is important and I am uh, sort of a lifelong learner. I like to, you know, I have very bad insomnia and I will read about things that happened, you know, long before I was here, which is why I know uh, so much about Brando because I wanted to know everything that I could know about a man that I could never access. And I read his book. And I was devastated when I read that, you know, he was, you mentioned that, you know, Lanford Wilson had gotten himself in trouble for being sort of like a, you know, jiggling on somebody will. who didn't want to become on to. That's and, what he was in trouble for. Um, yeah, but, but Marlon was um, a womanizer and he admits that he, you know, slept with men as well. And, and he, but in the book, he says, I did this because my parents never loved me and they never believed that anybody else ever could. And when I read that, all I could think about was that I wished that I could talk to him for one minute and just tell him that I don't even know you. And I think that there's so many things to love about you. And I like half-heartedly dislike Jack Nicholson for um, destroying his house because I had it's crazy, but I have always dreamed of living in the Mulholland Drive house and, and he wrecked it, but he did it for, um, to, to plant flowers in, in Marlon's honor. And I know Jack is not um, acting anymore and hasn't for a long time, but I, he's also someone that like you, who he changed everything for, for me and, and made, I think me believe well, that these things were possible. He did more than that. He changed, he changed the style of acting. As Marlon yes, as, did that and, and Jack Nicholson did that. And I don't, think, I don't think anyone else uh, that I can think of did that. I'm glad to hear you say that because I did um, an interview with Tom Bergeron, who I love very much. And he actually told me that he thought that Marlon was a terrible actor. And I was just wondering what he had been watching because I've seen a bad Brando movie and a bad Brando movie was still better than most of the films I've seen. Like the Island of Dr. Moreau is so weird, but there's still something about it that I can't look away. Look, there are, there are performances of Brando's that I haven't watched. And I didn't think he was very good in. I mean, I, you know, but it's What's just- What's the worst for you? A lot more, I didn't like Superman, his performance. You know, as, as, maybe as, what, 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 But when Superman. did you know that yeah in superman um he, he thought he wanted to get the same money and have Jorel be, be portrayed as a green bagel or a suitcase for which he would provide the voice and the director was like this man is going to wreck my movie and then you know, they ended well, up he's getting not he is not the first person who has thought that i mean Brando, oh. like Brando got to a point where, you know, he just, where, you know, I mean, that's not a fair demand. I mean, I, you know, I mean, he's, he's a genius, but, but, you know, playing, uh, playing the father as a suitcase is not. A right, no, I, I, I agree. You know, it's just not a good idea. And you, and, the, and you have to go, well, he's going to ruin my movie. 
Um, but he eventually he did do what what he was told, and yeah. um, it was very good. So I didn't think anyway. But you know, um, you know, but he's gone on to do other things that were fucking great. Nicholas Kazan, again, Aliyah's son, he has told me stories about Marlon because he grew up sort of with in the time when his dad was making, you know, movies with Marlon. And he said Marlon was like notoriously difficult to work with, but he was really fucking smart. And he just like he would make these ridiculous demands. And uh, he was like apparently very difficult on Aliyah on, on the waterfront. He didn't want to be outside. He was too cold and all these things. And Nick said to me, he was nuts, but he was, he was brilliant because he was nuts. He just did like these things that were nutty like that. And it, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but Aaliyah just loved him and so much. And Aaliyah, I, I've, I love Aaliyah's work and uh, not just with Brando. I like also, I don't know if you're a fan, but I loved East of Eden also. Mm-hmm. And I heard about how he casted that. And I think it's insane that James Dean sat outside of Aaliyah's office for a whole day with his motorcycle, asked Aaliyah to get on. And Aaliyah was terrified of motorcycles, but he was afraid of, um, he was more afraid of Dean than he was of the motorcycle. So he got on and uh, he said, but he is having so much trouble casting Cal for East of Eden. And then he did this motorcycle ride all around LA with, with James. Hi, Claudia, you are so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. You're beautiful. Brad's getting a haircut soon. He's going to look uh, 20 years younger any minute now. I don't think you look old, Brad. I really don't. I think you have so much charm and character, and I think you are a beautiful human being. And I think that your soul com- really comes out in your performances, which is probably why I have turned this into mostly a conversation more so than an interview, because in some way, I feel like you're my friend and like I've known you since oh. I was a kid and I was a listen, you know, I was Chucky too. So we're both, we're both nuts. We're both <laughs> dolls that are crazy or something, but you've just always been present in my life. And oh. I have never, and I didn't used to believe in, in things like synchronicity and universe and all these things. Um, but when I met Robin Swicord, who then brought me to Brian Cranston and then led me to the Brando stories. And then I met Mandy Patinkin and then I get to meet, you know, virtually I'm meeting you and hopefully someday I will have the honor of shaking your hand because that for me would be like, but um, I do believe that there is something that is connecting all of us in a way that, that I don't, I can't convey that I can't understand. You've worked with people that I would not be able to dream without having them existed. And I wouldn't be able to dream if you had not chosen this career. If you had chosen any other profession, my life would be different. And I don't know how that makes you feel, but it makes me really happy. So thank you for even caring about me because yeah, I'm an actor. I'm not a famous actor. The same thing I told Tarantino. Yeah, but I'm not famous. And he said, yeah, but I don't care. It didn't matter. And I, and by, it the way, by the way, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He didn't care, but I think he, he did see something in me. Problem that he wanted with, me to his see. problem is, is that for him to make a movie, people have to give him a lot of money. And whoever he casts has a lot to do with how much money he gets. So, um, but he's famous for looking at people and um, saying, yeah, that person has it. I want it. 
that kind of makes me feel like maybe there's, you know, something about me that I don't, that I don't see. Well, I mean, you know, um, trust me, there's things about me. A lot of people say that I don't see, but, but that's okay. (laughs) You know, I mean, um, as I say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And if he sees it and he wants it, he he might cast you. Who knows? Mandy Patinkin said something to me very recently that I needed to hear, which is if, if one person remembers you, it's not over. So I know that I can still bring my grandpa's story to life and I want to, I'm just terrified of writing the ending because I know the ending and I don't like it. I'm going to, to write it. And if it's terrible, then that's fine, but I'll make it anyway. And I'm doing all of these things because of something as, as simple as you portraying a puppeteer who wants to bring back his father. And I really can't stress enough that maybe this is not your, maybe even your favorite performance. And maybe it's not one that most people remember, but it's something that I'm never going to forget. I will be 300 years old and dead and I will still remember it. And so will my mother and hate it probably just as much, (laughs) but thank you for, thank you. Just both of you are such beautiful people and I've talked your ear off and I appreciate that you have sat through all of this because I am very chatty. (laughs) and usually I try to keep my interviews really short, but with you, I kind of just wanted to absorb everything that you had to say. And similarly to how I have watched that episode, I will probably watch this a hundred times and I will pick up things that you said, and they will change my life over and over and over again. And I don't know if anyone has ever said that to you, but you, you have made um, me possible. And I don't know if that matters in any way, but thank you for playing a doll that my cousin said I was so that I could decide that, you know, maybe I'd like to be some sort of crazy thing. I don't want to be a crazy doll, but maybe if I could be six years old, I would like that. But you just, I just really hope you know the value in who, who you are and, and what you've given to somebody like me, who's just a kid from somewhere with a, you know, crazy dream of changing the world in some way. I, I just really hope that you never doubted that. And I hope that you never, if you have, you certainly don't ever again, you really are a good person. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, episode of this one can talk about anything. And if you didn't enjoy it, I don't care (laughs) because I had so much fun talking to Brad. He is such a humble, kind, brilliant, talented, just anything that you think he is like amplified by a a billion. He's an incredible person, an incredible talent. And I learned so much from him and I am sharing some bits of of what I'm learning with you guys um, throughout the three episodes, including yes, that, that Brad Dorff would go to daycare with his, with his grandson. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm not sorry if you didn't like this one. Um, I'm sad that this is the end of the, of the Brad Dorff um, trilogy, but uh, I mean, Brad is part of my life forever now. And I'm grateful for those of you who are messaging me, asking me how you can reach out to Brad um, to have him on your podcast. Brad is retired from non-contractually obligated interviews, so I can't disclose any sort of 
information. Um, he just, he did it for me, um, you know, just as a favor. Um, we're not going to get into that. If you wanted to try and reach out to him, uh, maybe you can find an email address online, but uh, the answer is more than likely going to be no. Sorry. <laughs> well, not really. No, I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't give you any information. Um, so that's it for this week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about football because it'll be like one week out from football season. And I'm very excited to talk to you guys about football because as you know, this podcast is unofficially sponsored by Tom Brady and the TB12 method and officially sponsored by Michael Selberg Family Wines available everywhere in the USA. And if you're not lucky enough to live there, save your money so you can fly over there just to taste the wine because that's what I would do. Uh, my name is Melanie with two L's because my parents didn't know how to spell. I hope you have a great day, week, life. If you don't intend on listening again, whatever, just have a good one. Well, best just to interview. I guess I'll have to stay here, do I? <laughs>